neither does Christ in the gospel any way dissolve, but much strengthen this obligation. Now, I present that to you as solid, basic, historical Christianity. The moral law is in place in the New Testament for Christians. We are to live our lives by the Ten Commandments. And when Christianity is reduced to something less than living by the summary of the law, which is the Ten Commandments, you end up with a new version, a looser version. And I see it developing as a worldly version of Christianity. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us as we bring to you another message from Romans 12, the Apostle Paul's appeal after 11 chapters of glorious doctrine. He brings this practical application. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Oh, there is the logic of the apostle. There is every reason why we are to serve the Lord. And of course, the big reason is God's infinite mercy to us that has been bestowed upon us again and again and again, and all the way to heaven is the path of mercy. And therefore, we must yield our lives in Christian service to Christ. We have a hymn today called Jesus, the very thought of thee, sung by Boaz Boone, and uh, another hymn, Jesus Ransomed Me. I trust that this will be a blessing. Jesus, the very thought of thee, with sweetness fills my breast. But sweet of thy face to see, and in thy presence rest. O thou the bosom of the garden, O thou the sweet rose of check out contemporary preachers today. Sometimes they're called New Calvinists, New Evangelicals, and you look at their preaching and you look for a series on the Ten Commandments. I will not say you'll never find it, but you'll be hard-pressed to find it. Now, these conference preachers, these uh, together-for-the-gospel-type preachers, these New Calvinists, they do not believe 
that the Christian is under the law as the rule of life. They are new covenant. They take a whole new position that the Christian is no longer under the law of God as the rule of life. I listened to a video clip just recently of Francis Chan, and what he said, I don't like legalism. All we want is more of Jesus. Now, to a young Christian, that sounds very liberating and, 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 and exciting, just more of Jesus. But that is the result of ditching, of moving away from historical Reformed Christianity, that the Ten Commandments is the basis of Christianity as the rule of life, not just to bring us to Christ to be saved, but all of our days, all of our days. Now, what they've done, how did they possibly do this? How could anyone call themselves an evangelical Bible preacher and say the Ten Commandments has no longer got relevance in my life? How can they possibly get there? Well, here's what they've done. They have done to the moral law, the Ten Commandments, what we do to the Levitical law. You know that in the Old Testament, they worship by sacrifices, offerings, uh, blood of animals, and so on. That was Levitical worship. And of course, when Christ died, when he died on the cross, the uh, veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, and God announced Levitical worship is over. That way of the temple, the tabernacle worship is all over. And Christians agree that we no longer worship by Levitical commands. That law is now ceased. Then there's also the civil law of the Old Testament when they were under kings and a theocracy, and they had various laws and regulations about the kind of clothes you wore, what kind of fiber was in it, can you mix wool with other materials, gathering sticks on a Sunday, how far you can walk on a Sabbath day. And there are many civil codes which we say ended when Christ died. That way of governing is over. And when the New Testament church began, certainly after Pentecost, that no longer are we under those Levitical and civil codes. The new Calvinist, the new covenant preacher today, goes a step further. And they say not only is the Levitical gone and the civil gone, but the moral law is also gone. And we are no longer under law to the Old Testament scriptures or to the law of God, the moral law, but we are under law to Christ. Now, it sounds good, and it sounds liberating. And there are thousands and thousands calling themselves Reformed Christians who follow this line of thinking. What's the result? The result is loose living. The result is the world in the church, because how do you call something sin? How do you call it wrong? And it has led to what has always been a problem in the Christian church, antinomianism, people who are anti-law. Raise the law, you're a legalist. Keeping the Ten Commandments, you're a legalist. And so they have made a tremendous switch in modern Christianity. And we are impacted today greatly by this new interpretation, this new position, 
that the Christian is no longer under the law. That's why most churches today do not honor the Sabbath day, say, with two Sunday services. The majority, the vast majority of evangelical churches today have one morning service and the day's over. And they do not emphasize that it's wrong to shop and trade and do business and do all the worldly things or, or secular things. They're not always wrong. They're proper enough six days a week. But there is a day that is separate unto God. You will not hear them preach that because they say we are no longer under that Old Testament law. Now, to help us, I asked Mr. Rusma to give out a copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 20. And I want you to have this, and I hope you'll treasure it. Now, this is available, of course, in many sources, but I thought for convenience we would set it out today. Now, to cut to the chase, I want just to focus on section 5. Section 5 says, The moral law does forever bind all as well justified persons as others—that's believers in Christ—as others, to the obedience thereof, and that not only in regard to the matter contained in it, but also in respect to the authority of God the Creator who gave it. Neither does Christ in the gospel any way dissolve, but much strengthen this obligation. Now, I present that to you as solid, basic, historical Christianity. The moral law is in place in the New Testament for Christians. We are to live our lives by the Ten Commandments. And when Christianity is reduced to something less than living by the summary of the law, which is the Ten Commandments, you end up with a new version, a looser version. And I see it developing as a worldly version of Christianity. We in the Free Presbyterian Church have, in various documents, declared our stand on this. And in the Statement of Purpose—you can find this online if you wish—it talks about the threefold function of the law, the moral law of God. I want to read you. It's just four lines. The threefold function of the law as a mirror to expose and condemn sin. That's how we know sin. Thus shutting men up to Christ as their only hope of gaining acceptance with God, as a curb to deter and restrain the unconverted. The Ten Commandments is upon every man in the world. And thirdly, as a rule of life for the regenerate, and that you and me as Christians, we are still under that law. Now, one of the best things that you can do is to read the larger catechism on the Ten Commandments. We did this year, uh, this, this year in our prayer meetings. We went through each of those Ten Commandments, and we prayed on them. Let me ask, have you ever done that? Do you know of Christians that do this today? They take each commandment in turn and say, Lord, help me to keep that. Help me to so glorify you that I will live in the will of God, proving what is that good and acceptable will of God. I say to you that if you will not start with the Ten Commandments, you're really not interested in knowing the will of God and proving what is well-pleasing unto Him. And this now is the battle that we are in. 
We have lost the Ten Commandments in the government. Ottawa, the legislatures across this country, anyone that stands up now with the Ten Commandments is mocked. We have lost the Ten Commandments in our schools. The school boards of our districts don't even allow the Ten Commandments as a poster or as a paper to be given out. Dare we lose the Ten Commandments in the church? What happened in Ottawa, what happens in government, what happens in the school board will happen to the church if we give in to the pressure that the Ten Commandments is no longer the rule of life for the Christian. And let me say today, this is what's going to define your Christianity. You are either going to go the modern, contemporary Christian way and accept that new thinking, dumb down anything about breaking God's law, keeping the Sabbath, uh, shutting out the world, or you're going to take seriously, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know how to live as a Christian. I want to know what pleases my Heavenly Father. My starting point, and I'm just talking the starting point, is the Ten Commandments. Young people, if you're thinking of moving in with your girlfriend, the Ten Commandments forbids it. If you're thinking of Loose language as the world uses is acceptable to God, even in the pulpit. And I don't need to tell you that there are preachers in this country that have adopted the filthy language of the world and brought it into the pulpit. How did they get there? They followed this line of thinking that we're no longer under the Ten Commandments as the rule of life. And it ends up with a worldliness right in the church. And so this will define your Christianity. It will define your worship. It will define the kind of church you want to attend. It's a defined parent, which you're going to teach your children. It will define what you say yes or no to in your home. It will define what you watch on television. If you are no longer under the moral law, then you're almost free to watch what you like on television. No, this is the doctrine that has stood the Christian church strong for hundreds of years, certainly since the Reformation. And that's why I wanted to put out this document, uh, chapter 20 on the Confession. And so our duty then is to use the Bible to discern God's will. And how else will a Christian find discernment to know that good and perfect law of God? We've got to use the Bible. Now, I want to do a little bit of exercise. I want to turn you to Psalm 119. Let's do this together. Uh, it'll lighten the moment here. And uh, let's just look up how God ministers to us and how we discern God's will. Let's go to Psalm 119 and verse 25. Verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Quicken thou me. You want to live a lively Christian life in the will of God? You want God to revive you, refresh you, stir your soul? He'll do it according to his word. Verse 37 of the same Psalm 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. In thy way. That's how Christians should pray. Lord, I don't want my way. I want thy way. And then verse 40. Behold, 
I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. So the prayer to stir up our souls, to bless our souls, will always be the path of righteousness. Then verse 88 in the same Psalm. 88. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. So will I keep thy testimony, the testimony of thy mouth. Here, it is so evident, and this is how we're to pray. Then verse 107 in the same Psalm. 107. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. And then Psalm 119, verse 149. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. Now, I brought this out because Paul said, prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. And here we have the Bible by which we do it. And we pray this kind of prayer. Lord, quicken me. Stir up my life to do your will, to please your name by living according to your word. And so if you really want to be transformed into the image of the Lord, if you want to be renewed in mind, a man or a woman that is Christ-like in your thinking, you need a biblical mind. And you need a just selective portion. You need to give yourself to biblical truth, doctrine, and precepts. Now, let me ask you, how is this working for you? Let's bring it right down to practical terms of where you're at as a Christian. Some at school, some at home, some at work, some in a difficult situation perhaps, but how is this working for you? You've got decisions to make. You've got a testimony to keep. You want to find a church where you can glorify God. You want to do God's will in your life. You're determined, I want to please my heavenly Father. How is this working for you? Are you growing in commitment to the light, the truth of God's Word. Now, our testimony is based on keeping God's commandments. The Lord Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I don't see any conflict between what the Lord Jesus taught and any of those Ten Commandments given to Moses. No conflict at all. Keep my commandments. This also is the test of Christ-likeness. If you want to be a Christ-like man or woman, the Lord Jesus said, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. It's also the key to power in prayer. 1 John 3:22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 3.22. That's certainly a key text. If you want to be a man or woman of prayer, if you want to get answers from heaven, you will have your life in line with these commandments. And then also, this is the evidence of dwelling in God's love. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Remember the psalmist in Psalm 1? He delighted in the law of God after the inward man. That's the mark of the born-again Christian. That's how you know you're saved. You delight in God's, God's law. You're not fighting it. You're not resisting it. You're on your knees praying for it. 
Lord, I want to know your will. I want to be uh, in the place that is the perfect, good, and acceptable will of God for me. That becomes our whole attitude. Now, as I looked at Romans 12, 1, I saw language that is metaphorical, figurative, because we are told to become living sacrifices, climbing up on the altar of service. But I don't do that physically. I don't turn this communion table into a, a wood and, and fire and put my body on it. But I am to live biblically, obediently, a living sacrifice. Not dying, but living in the will of God. And that now becomes my self-denial. And what I discover is contrary to God's will, I say no. What I discover is God's will, I, I labor to put it into practice. Sometimes it's difficult. It's a challenge. And we're weak. And we feel. But our prayer and our desire, Lord, help me to love your law, to love your word, and to do it with all my heart. My feet, my drag, my body's weak, but Lord, my heart longs that I please you by proving what is that good and acceptable will of God. Will you pray like that? That's really the challenge here. Will you pray like that? Will you pray that God enables, gives you the discernment to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? There's a sweet and blessed story of the Christ who came from glory just to rescue me from sin and misery. He in loving kindness sought me and from sin and shame has brought me Alleluia, Jesus ransomed me. Alleluia, what a Savior who can take a poor sinner, lift him from the mire clay and set him free. I will never tell the story, shouting glory, glory, glory. To the heights of joy and gladness, Jesus lifted me in mercy, full and free. With his precious body, bought me when I knew him, body sought me, and in love divine he ransomed me. Alleluia, what a Savior who can take a full of sin
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us again as we bring the message of the Lord's Word to you wherever you may be today. And I hope that you have uh, taken to heart the message on Romans 12, 2, becoming a living sacrifice. Yes, we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. It is the doers of the word that the Lord Jesus likened to the wise man building his house on the rock. Today we have a little story, an account here of the Holy Spirit's work within the believer's heart. In St. Peter's Cologne, there are two pictures of the crucifixion of Peter that stand side by side, and the existence of these two pictures is explained in this way. In the beginning of the 19th century, when Napoleon came and ransacked the city, he robbed St. Peter's of one of those two pictures, the original, and took it away. While the first picture was taken away from the city, the artist, in the absence of the original, painted another picture. In time, the original was restored, and the two were placed side by side. Experts now say that there is so little difference between the two pictures, you cannot tell which is the original. In the absence of the original, the artist painted another picture of Peter. Now that is the glorious work of the Holy Spirit. The original being absent, Jesus now in heaven, the Holy Spirit is here, and he is the master artist And in the absence of the original, he is painting the likeness of Jesus upon the unworthy canvas of your life and mine. May we be worthy copies of the original, conformed to his likeness. The story is told by Herbert Lockyer in The Heritage of Saints. Now let me ask you, are you an image bearer of the Lord Jesus? Are you a true disciple of Christ being conformed into his likeness? Uh, We know that finally and perfectly on that great day we shall be like him, for we shall be transformed into his image. But here in this world, in the Christian life, there is a process of sanctification, of separating us from the world and transforming us into the image of God's dear Son. It was for that purpose that Christ saved us and redeemed us by his own blood. And we're told that whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. I trust that you are yielding your life every day to become more and more a truer picture, reflecting the beauty and the image of Christ in this lost and needy world that others may know and find the Savior. Thank you for being a part of the program. Stay tuned for these closing announcements. You you are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music